Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. When you choose Organic Valley, not only will you be enjoying great tasting dairy, you'll help to save over 1,600 small organic family farms who are protecting over 400,000 acres of organic farmland and all the plants and animals that call it home. This is dairy you can feel good about. It's great tasting, high-quality organic dairy, ethically sourced from small organic family farms. To find Organic Valley Dairy near you, visit ov.coop. That's ov.coop. There are nearly 20 million military vets in the U.S., and each week we focus on their stories. This is CBS Eye on Veterans. Welcome to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm Navy vet Phil Briggs, and today we're going to hear an update from the town of Lahaina in Maui and what's being done to help residents who saw their town burned to the ground after wildfires carved a path of destruction. Now, whether it's a hurricane or a tornado, any kind of natural disaster, many veterans step up to help. And one organization, with many among them, is the Cajun Navy Ground Force from Lafayette, Louisiana. I recently spoke with founder and CEO Rob Gaudet about what it's like there just days after this fire and what we can all do to help. Rob Gaudet, how are you, sir? We are doing uh, as well as we can do here in, in the, the destruction of West Maui, but uh, we're doing okay, sir. We're doing okay, God, Philip. God love you. And I know that it is probably, what, close to 3 o'clock your time, and your day is probably only 30% done. I mean, I know you guys are putting in some long days. Uh, you know what? Let's just jump to the question that's on everybody's mind this week as we watch the recovery efforts in Maui. We watch our fellow Americans in need and, you know, we are trying to cover those that are making a difference. Um, what have you seen? Where specifically are you? And just kind of paint a picture for me about what's going on now. What three, four days after this fire? Yeah, I'll, I'll paint a picture for you. So. Um, you know, we are in Lahaina, which is on in West Maui. Um, and that's, they call it the West because it's the West of Maui. It's, it's a region, um, very beautiful. It's almost a heaven on earth that just went through hell. But, you know, not all of the buildings were destroyed and yet there's no electricity, no running water. And so the businesses are closed. There's no services for these folks. And a lot of the homes weren't, weren't destroyed. All, not all of them were destroyed. And a lot of people are still living in those homes and, there's a real need for services in Lahaina that we are here helping to meet. And here's the other side of it. You know, about 45 minutes away from here is the city um, with the airport where, you know, there are services, electricity, water, no damage at all. Um, you know, it's there's Walmarts open. And so, you know, there was an initial big rush of donations. Well, we can go to Walmart and buy everything we need. I mean, there was the donation thing was good for a minute, but it was really overwhelming. But. The nonprofit response is primarily focused on the airport town and not 
on the burn town. And that's really unfortunate. This is where the need is because you can't run to Walmart here. You can't run to any stores because they're all closed, because there's no running water, there's no electricity. And I'm sitting where I'm sitting right now, there's a car line. Um, these folks are waiting probably, I'd guess, uh, an hour and a half to pick up a few supplies, a couple cases of water and something to eat. And they're waiting in their car, which is burning their fuel to do it. And it's very, it's very slow process. And because you can't, like I said, you, you need a prescription filled. You have to find it either here or you have to go to the mainland to get it or go to the, you know, the other, the other the larger city to get it. And the folks are here. They haven't left because looting and, you know, people don't want to leave. Who wants to leave their home and go live in a stranger's home on a couch? Like when you can stay here, even though you don't have running water and such. And so there's a tremendous need in West Maui in these impacted communities. And that's, that was, that's as best way to describe it that I can. Give me a portrait of something you saw when you first got there that maybe even raised your eyebrow. And I say that understanding your experience. Cajun Navy has been responders to hurricanes, so many tornadoes. You have seen devastation. Is there anything there? Were there any moments when you first looked at something and you're like, wow, this is this ranks right up there with some of the worst of the worst you've seen? Yeah, you know. We have. We, we've responded to 15 disasters, Phil, in the last three years. Major disasters, fires, floods, hurricanes, tornadoes. Um, we responded to the Marshall Fire. This is very similar. You know, when there's a fire, there's nothing left. When a tornado comes through or a hurricane, you still get a semblance of the neighborhood or the home or, you know, you can, some people can still live in this. Many people still live in those homes. When there's a fire, there's nothing left. And it's, it's, it's difficult to picture it being a neighborhood of safe places with kids playing on the sidewalk and everything. Cause it's charred. It's like a nuclear bomb went off above it. It's really horrifying. And the dichotomy is this, you know, some of the most, one of the most beautiful places until I came here was in Kentucky when we did the flooding. Um, and last year, 14,000 homes flooded in Western Kentucky. And it was the most beautiful drive I've ever seen through the mountains of Kentucky. The, the ride to get here yesterday was horrifyingly beautiful. And it's important to understand that this is truly a, a heavenly place. I've never been to Maui. I've never been to Hawaii in my life until last week when I arrived. And the dichotomy of driving through this mountain pass where you're driving over, like around this hairpin turn, one lane hairpin turns, like literally one wrong turn and you fall off the cliff. But we come out of that beautiful, like you're looking over the sea and mountains and everything. And you come out of that to this burned out city. You know, it's really, truly a heaven that just experienced truly the flames of hell. And I will say all that. I would take all of that and and not even discuss it anymore because that's not even the crisis. The crisis is human beings that are now having to figure out where am I going to live? My home that not only is my home, but that was my great, great grandparents home, you know, 150 years ago is gone. Where am I going to live? Because FEMA is only going to give me $35,000 and it costs $900,000 to build a home now in this area. Think about that. This Mm. city has changed and it's really a sad thing. Here's the other part of it. The workers in this community that are the ones that lost their homes. They're multifamily dwellers. They're multiple people live in these homes at a time. They are the service workers. They're the ones that worked in the restaurants and the hotels here. And a lot of them aren't being allowed to stay in the hotels. The very beds that they used to make, they're being denied to stay in and are sleeping in tents. We actually put a family into an Airbnb yesterday, an elderly couple that is taking care of their granddaughter because she lost her parents. And they were sleeping in a parking lot in Walgreens and Airbnb 
is the Airbnb Foundation has taken has given us 60 vouchers in the past for families where they have paid for that voucher. They gave us 10 vouchers worth $7,500 each to put families into Airbnbs, and we put them into an Airbnb yesterday. The, the other side of the tragedy is there are no nonprofits here working other than us and World Central Kitchens who's serving food without yeah. the blessing of the state, basically. Not right. Mm. And that's, again, why I highlight the Cajun Navy and shout out to Jose Andres there and, uh, you know, the World Central Kitchen. He goes all over the world to do just this, and that is respond to these recovery efforts in their initial days. And I know, like him, you'll stay through to do as much as you can. Um, I want to talk about a little bit of the recovery because you said something there that's so true. It's not so much a structural tragedy or, you know, buildings and cities gone. It's human beings. It's lives completely turned upside down down, even the people tasked with trying to rebuild it, the carpenters, the electricians, the plumbers, they don't have a place to live of their own because they are from Maui. You've called it on other newscasts a bottom-up recovery, but when you come to a town that is completely devastated like this and the families are all separated, where do you even begin? You know, I've talked to General Honoré, who is, who is Katrina fame twice today. You know, he's from Louisiana. And I used to say, you know, General Honoré is not going to ride in on a white And I tell people this. He's not riding in on a white horse to save the day. There's nobody in charge. The person that's in charge is the person that was impacted. And so think about that. You know, if you're 85 and you've lived your life and you're retired and you're trying to enjoy it, are you going to have the energy and the passion to start again somewhere? Like it's it's difficult. And so we really say that to say the elderly are in a lot of trouble. It's up to the individuals that were impacted to navigate their way out of this. And our mission is to help those individuals that don't have the means need the help to do that. Um, it's tremendous. And one in five Americans is over the age of 65 right now. The baby boomers. Right. Or there's 72 million of them. And so there's a tremendous need between climate change and the increase in disasters and the baby boomers getting older. There's a need for what we're doing. It's beyond what we're doing. The American public's mindset needs to change to begin to check on your neighbors. Begin, you know, if you're in a hurricane, tornado, flood, know who your neighbors are before it happens. That's part of preparation and be prepared to help them. That's what we do. As you've covered so many of these tragedies before, you've been part of so many recovery efforts. What are the phases? Obviously, we look at complete devastation and like the crisis phase, which needs immediate housing and shelter. But once people want to return to their homes, kind of what's the second phase of what recovery looks like? Yeah, I love this question. You know, what you'll hear is the first thing is um, resilience, resilience. Like resilience only goes so far when your home is destroyed by a tornado or hurricane. Resilience goes out the window. It becomes intervention. The first thing is intervention. That's the very first phase. You know, making sure, like I said, the elderly couple that's sleeping with a six-year-old child on the parking lot floor in the Walgreens is taken care of. Intervention is the first phase. The next thing, there's a lot of activity. There's a lot of volunteers here right now. You know, we're a weekend. That's going to start to subside. The needs don't go away as the volunteers go away and as the press go away, though they actually increase. Think about this. What if your cousin came and knocked on your door and said, you know, Phil, I, I need a place to sleep. Can my, my family bunk up with you? I'll sleep on the couch. You know, the, the kids are going to sleep in the extra room and wife and I will sleep in the living room on an air mattress. How long is that going to last? A couple of weeks. And before you're saying, look, 
what's what's going to happen, my friend? Like, I love you, you're my family, but I got other, like, I have to live my life too. And that start hap- that starts happening after two or three weeks. Now the press is gone, the volunteers have gone, but the crisis is actually increasing. And the crisis isn't the fire, it's not the house, it's the human beings that are going through this. It's what I've seen every disaster. It's a humanitarian crisis whenever you're 85 and you hear this and you try to, you have pride, you know, you're a man, like men don't want to give that up. I got this. I'm going to get on the roof and fix that roof myself. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that various individuals. The one that comes to mind is Mr. Freddie down in Point of San, Louisiana, who I drove by and he's trying to climb on his roof on a ladder and he's 85. He's an old fisherman guy. I'm like, Mr. Freddie, I mean, come on. We got up there and fixed it for him. Right. That's endemic. It is a major problem that's not recognized in our country i can't say it enough the elderly after these things are in trouble it's a humanitarian crisis in our country right now and we have to be prepared for that what happens in the disaster world is you go into long-term recovery case managers start coming in and they begin to help individuals who can't navigate that system and, and help themselves and we do that we actually are, have a contract to do that in kentucky right now but you know in the end it, it's there's no magic bullet. There really isn't. It's it's how capable is that individual of taking care of themselves? We all live our own lives. I mean, we care about our neighbors, but we are responsible for ourselves. And we need to learn as Americans, I think, to be even more responsible for our elderly that are impacted by natural disaster. And not just elderly, but disabled, our veterans, working poor, disadvantaged individuals who may live in low-income communities like um, migrant farmers who were living in Pine Island that took care of all the beautiful palm trees that they grow on Pine Island, Florida, after Hurricane Ian, the migrant farmer community in there, about 600 trailers, half of them were destroyed. They had to live together. They don't want to ask for help. They won't go do it. There's a real problem. And this is how I say it really simply. Disaster impact is not equal. We think disasters are going to move forward, everything, but it's not like linear. It's all over the place. And that's so important to understand. And thank you for kind of painting that picture, not only with what you're seeing there on Maui, but, uh, you know, the other disasters. Yeah, it is crucial. We understand this. And it's also a shame that it takes a tragedy for us to start caring for one another. And, uh, you know, I know that from the ashes, though, does grow and does rise that sense of caring, that sense of cooperation. And, uh, you know, I know that that is always reflected in the Hawaiian culture, and I'm sure we will see it in the days to come. Uh, As we look ahead now to the days and weeks that are critical, are you seeing enough help from the federal government? Does it appear as though the cavalry is coming or do you feel uh, that, you know, there's a shortage? I will tell you, you know, I always say this. I think people mean well and, and I think the government and all of the organizations mean well, but I think that they're trying too hard to plan it. And I always call it command and control it. They need to have a little more faith in the American citizens and the, and the nonprofits that show up like ourselves. I mean, we're from Louisiana. You know, we kind of have been looked at with a crooked eye as an organization, not by the people. They love us. I mean, they're walking up and giving us money and buying our groceries or buying for people. It's, the powers that are in charge of making, moving it forward and elected to do it or, you know, given money to do it. They, they, there's a command and control structure. And, you know, who's that said, you know, you can plan all day long, but when you get into the heat of battle, the best led plans go out the window. Well, I can tell you, I will say this and put my reputation online. There's been eight days of planning and we need to stop. 
We need to get hands into Lahaina and come over here and start helping these folks. Stop planning and just get over here. There's a certain amount of planning that has to be in. They have to be ready for certain things, but release the nonprofit world. That's not happened. The nonprofit world has not been leased to released to come over here. I know for a fact the nonprofit that was put into a volunteer management is in South Carolina right now. They won't be here till Sunday. How is that possible? The volunteers start showing up on day one. And they're going to, by Sunday, the volunteer force will be maybe 10% of what, because the energy's died and people are tired and they got to go back to work. That, that doesn't make any sense at all. So that's what's going on. I feel like that the, the system is getting in the way of itself. They just got to stop trying to be command and control. And I see this every disaster, sir. It happened in Kentucky for a minute in a little town called Neon. A guy came up and said, we're going to, we're going to check, you know, when you know every job that's being done, we need to know everything about what's happening, everything, everything, everything. And we walked, we kind of walked away. We said, that's like, we can't do that. We're doing, we're doing with volunteers. I mean, we can't make volunteers sign checklists and stuff. <laughs> we just got to get the job done. And that's what they want. That's what's happening here right now. And it's unfortunate for the people. We're, we're here to fix it. We're trying through certain channels to on that process. It's what the Cajun Navy does, right? Um, we're happy to do it. In the end, we want to work through the system and we really are very proud of doing that. And, you know, we really do want to do that, but it's not always necessary to be done. So we're kind of going around it. Yeah. And of course, that's why they call it the speed of bureaucracy. And that does not mean fast. And that is truly unfortunate when we look at a disaster like this in Maui. Um, I want to touch on one other thing that I think you can help clear up, but I've heard a lot on social media about thousands of people are missing. Uh, you know, people who have yeah. evacuated in different directions are now separated from their family and friends and their support networks with cell phone service being spotty, internet connections hard to find. How are people finding each other? How are people that got separated at the time of the fire able to communicate? And do you see that getting better? And is the media responsible for misrepresenting the death toll? I, I don't know what the death toll is. I know that what they're, what people are doing is going online and using various sites to try to connect up with missing individuals. The internet's spotty, but it's not that spotty. Um, you can drive probably 10 minutes from anywhere in the affected zone and find connection. So I don't think there's people that have, you know, just not connected because they can't find them. They're going to call their grandma and they're, they're going to go find each other, right? So I think if somebody is saying my person's missing, I think they're genuinely probably going to end up not being found. The last number that I heard was about 1,300 people are still missing. That's the number that I heard. I, I can't say it's official. I did hear it from an official source, um, one of the news news stations, but that's what I heard. And I think about 100 have been uh, cataloged so far. So it's going to be really sad. There's a lot more, a lot more people that are going to be found. I'm afraid. Oh, God bless. But is there hope? Does the local authorities believe that some of these people that are missing just simply haven't been able to access the Internet? No, I don't think that's the thought at all. I think that if if they're if they're posting pictures eight days later, those people would have they would have been connected. The burn zone is evacuated. There's nobody hiding around in the burn zone um, where we are right now. I'm sitting at a place called Gateway um, Gateway Shopping. There's Ross's here. It's open. It's not open, but it's not burned down. That this is not damaged. There's places to go around here that you can connect. So if they are not found, if they're posting pictures and they haven't heard from their family, then there's going to be a problem. All the more reason we need prayers out there, and uh, we need to roll up our sleeves and help. 
Let me chat about veterans real quick. This is a show about veterans. I know Cajun Navy has many within their ranks because that's what veterans do. Um, Share with me, like any veterans on your team, or have you seen vets just jump in right now before even the FEMA and the federal gets its legs underneath of them? Are you seeing veterans kind of come out of the woodwork looking to help? Yeah, I'll talk about a veteran on our team that's here with us. His name is Camilo. Um, He is a Marine. Uh, He runs our community caretaking program which is where we go into the community and provide a countless range of services. His job is to make sure people are taken care of with volunteers and he manages the volunteers to do that. And he's a Marine. I mean, he, you can't out work, sleep, run, eat Camilo and he will, he will let you know. And people people have a huge amount of respect for him. He sets a good pace, but he's also the guy that um, everybody loves and respects, you know, and he connects. He, he is is especially fond of um, taking uh, AmeriCorps groups, which we have had many um, AmeriCorps teams and they're young. They're in their twenties, usually out of college. And he just works them to the bones, male, female. He doesn't care. <laughs> if you sign up for AmeriCorps, you, you end up on Camilo's team. You're going to, you're going to love him because he'll, he'll work you. And he's, he's very fair with everybody. So we, we love him and, you know, being a veteran, my dad is a Marine, although he's passed. Um, and you know, there's just a special bond between that Marine brotherhood and we're honored to have. Camilo be a part of our organization and he showed up and it was quiet and just over delivered and under promised, which is what one of our core tenants is. And I him real quick and said, you're on our team, man. <laughs> Semper Fi Marine. And I know when, uh, you know, a job needs to get done, boy, uh, the Marines, those are the ones you definitely sure. can count on those 11 bravos, those infantry. Yeah, man, get her done. Uh, <laughs> let's just look ahead real quick, the plan going forward and how we can help. We've talked a lot about this bottom up recovery taking a long time. We've talked a lot about how the initial wave will break of volunteerism and then recede. Yet the problem still exists. So what are you suggesting for our listeners, uh, to do over you know, the course of the next two, three, four, six, eight weeks. You know what I would say, and I I say this, if you can donate funds, donate as local as possible. Don't go to the high top organizations, find an organization based in Lahaina. It's, you know, it's not a huge town. It's a beautiful place. There's some nonprofits here. Give to those nonprofits. They are taking care of their own like nobody. There's no overhead. Like that money gets to the people that need it the most. Um, give dollars to those organizations because they are, you know, that's where you're going to see the relief. Um, you know, the volunteer effort is going to be sustained for a long time. You can volunteer through us at gocajunnavy.org. Um, and, you know, we, we, it's a beautiful place. We didn't, we didn't come here to sightsee though. We're here working. Um, and so the, uh, the volunteer, if you would like to volunteer, you know, that's the way to do it. You can go through us. We, we manage volunteers. That's what we do very well. Um, and, um, you know, other than that, pray, um, and check out your neighbors, you know, think about your neighborhood and who in your community is elderly. And, you know, it's, we have some heat waves going across the country. Have you checked on, you know, Miss, Miss Edna, who's three doors down? Maybe you should. Like, those are things you can do today. We, you know, we're kind of experiencing climate crisis across our whole country. It's not a hurricane or a tornado, but it's a heat wave that's just as deadly. Mm. And such a good sentiment, again, from tragedy is always triumph if you look for it. And that is amazing that you're actually calling out for all Americans to just check on each other. In addition to giving something to the recovery efforts in Maui, um, it's what I would expect from the Cajun Navy, which is why you guys are ground force. Uh, you know, you're on the ground and you are a force. Well, you'd mentioned real quick, uh, as far as donations, give 
money to the hyper local organizations that you can find? One, can you name any? And two, are there specifics with that? When you give money, should it be an online donation in the form of credit card charges or do you mail gift cards? And I guess what I'm getting at is you don't want a bunch of furniture and used mattresses right now, right? No, don't send, don't send supplies. It becomes a volunteer work, right? Cash can be used to put the exact thing. They don't need a mattress. They need a fan, right? Um, so I can think of a, a, a group right now. It's actually not in Lahaina, but this is a church that we worked with. I met the pastor and it's Grace Bible Church in Kalui. They are the real deal. We were in a, a bucket brigade line moving supplies with them and they were, you know, they weren't allowing cars to drive through. So they were figuring out how to, how to get captains to use boats and coming in and docking on the beach to run supplies into the community. That's what you need right now. And again, make those donations online via credit card, send the money, yeah. not the things and see to it that it gets to these hyper local organizations. Grace Bible Church in Maui. Just look for that. It'll come right up. Easy to find. Grace Bible Church in Maui. Right on. And again, I know you're going to keep us posted on your blog. You're always putting things up on your website. So let's end there. Cajun Navy is, of course, ground force going forward. And uh, you guys have been there through so many disasters. Tell me about the website. Tell me about where I can find more information on how we can continually connect with our brothers and sisters in Maui. Yeah, you know, we really are a media organization first, and I'm happy to share that. And I say that to say the more people we reach with what we're doing, the more people we help because the more donations we get, right? So thank you for giving the opportunity to do that. GoCajunNavy.org is our website. It's just G-O-CajunNavy.org. Our Facebook page is Cajun Navy Ground Force. We have a kaleidoscope logo with a fleur-de-lis in the middle. Very colorful. You can't miss it. Cajun Navy Ground Force. And both of those, from both of those sites, it'll be real obvious how to donate to us or to volunteer with us. Outstanding. Go CajunNavy.org. And uh, you, of course, are founder, CEO, Rob Gooday. And uh, just so much love to you, man. So many thanks for what you're doing. I know you and veterans on your team are rolling up their sleeves, getting it done, and you're going to be there for quite a while. So, uh, you know, I'll just leave you with my prayers, my genuine thoughts and wishes for the recovery to, you know, be quick. And uh, aloha, my brother. Thank you so much for everything you're doing. Hey, Phil. Thank you, man. We really appreciate it. Aloha. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes Podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news, and culture maker interviews, and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. 
I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.